welcome back to the final conversation with Bush School students. It sounds kind of ominous when I put it that way. Uh, the final conversation with Bush School students on this particular topic in this particular semester uh, on decision making and how to use technology potentially to improve decision making and improve the overall quality of uh, the delivery of public services and the decision making that uh, public servants engage in. So um, I'm going to let this group uh, request that this group uh, uh, do introductions. Again, this is number five today, and I'm struggling <laughs> with words. So uh, if you would take a moment and each introduce yourselves, we'll go from left to right in front of me, and then we'll dive into your report. All right. I'm Steve McKnight. I'm Yifan Wong. Austin Reed. Thank you. So you were tasked with thinking about how um, technology might interact with decision-making in the public sphere. Um, so how did you go about situating this topic for your report? Right. So we kind of started with a general approach. We started by identifying some of the, uh, the major current and future technological trends that we felt uh, most affected public servant decision-making. So then we took a better look at these trends, things like the, the Internet of Things and the New Industrial Revolution. And then finally at their applications from a broad scale, such as the general application of artificial intelligence down to a more smaller specific scale, like gerrymandering, so. Excellent, well let's dive right in then. Uh, what did you discover about the Internet of Things? Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll introduce the Internet of Things. It's a term some people may have heard before, but it's, it's pretty broad and it refers to a sort of universal connectivity between objects to the Internet and between each other and to people. So this can include anything uh, from industrial plants, engines on automobiles, aircrafts, all the way down to home appliances and personal electronics. Um, so. You know, like basically imagine your alarm clock being able to tell your coffee machine to turn on, stuff like this. Uh, any two, imagine any two objects being able to communicate with each other, and that, that's pretty much what it's working towards. So um, the Internet of Things, it encompasses thing-thing connections, people-people connections, and people-thing connections. Okay. And so, of course, this implies that people are a component of the Internet of Things. And, um, you know, take even today, for instance, Uber. It's a taxi service in which people are connected through their smartphone, their smartphone devices. Uh, people play an important role in contributing to and refining big data, you know, like take the concept of Wikipedia, but apply it to real-world analytics. Mm -hmm. So, um, but this also implies uh, new behavioral analysis, de data breadcrumbs, and inevitably privacy issues, which I'll cover in a minute. One of my uh, favorite examples of this, or I guess maybe more queer examples, is Google Maps and keeping up with traffic, right? right so the way right. that Google Maps tracks what the traffic is like at any point is people accessing Google Maps which mm -hmm. reports their data of where they are and it gives you an idea of how long it's going to take somewhere. So you have the person driving using the maps to get from one place to another more efficiently and you have the person providing data to Google to help have further information about the traffic from location A to location B for example. Exactly. And that's one of the things that the literature mentioned as well. I think it's an app called Waze. It's mm -hmm. very similar. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll look at, uh, take a look at the, the role that technology plays. Of course, technology plays a huge role in this. And uh, sometimes, in fact, all that's required to turn an object into a component of the Internet of Things are just cheap sensors that uh, give and receive data from its environment. Things such as RFIDs, uh, GPS devices, uh, QR codes, for instance. So uh, there's still some challenges to overcome in the Internet of Things, such as flawless connectivity and energy management, for example. Um, but some people are already looking forward to the next step, and this can be known as the Internet of Intelligent Things. And this transformation happens when you convert objects with ordinary sensors into objects with 
intelligence sensors that can autonomously adjust according to their environment and uh, their, their data networks. So under this system, objects no, no longer need to relay information to decision-making nodes. They just adjust, uh, adjust according to their environment. So, um, you know, for, for instance, like uh, environmental devices that can manage natural resources in a more responsible manner. Um, you, know, and, uh, you can also uh, look at social media, look at uh, some of the AI that's been constructed today using social media. Incorporate this data into uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, and some powerful things can be achieved. Sensors are one that, until very recently, was not something I was fully aware of how cheap and how uh, powerful the sensors are. And to your point, how software uh, in the form of, say, artificial intelligence can actually decentralize the decision making or the action, the actionable items out to the sensors. You can think about, in particular, like the ways in which this could uh, affect infrastructure and how we have water flow and electricity flow and vehicle flow, for example. That was something that just wasn't completely not on my radar until very recently. And it provides all of these really detailed new types of data mm -hmm. points for artificial intelligence, in particular, to kind of manipulate and make sense of and make decisions of. Um, which maybe is a nice transition from the Internet of Things section over to this, uh, how uh, AI is being utilized as part of the new industrial revolution. So tell me a little bit about how uh, AI is being used more broadly as part of uh, the, quote, new industrial revolution. Yes. So the, the perspective of new industrial revolution, in my understanding, that could be actualized by full integration of artificial intelligence and also the other new upcoming technologies like big data or IoT or automotive vehicle or drone, all, all of that kind of diverse stuff. So my understanding, artificial intelligence is not just a tool. I mean, in com comparing to the other industrial revolutions, artificial intelligence is not just a physical tool that we are utilizing, but it has something, it has some ability to decide something. So that's a distinctive, really critical point in my understanding. So from that point, um, I think that the full integration of artificial intelligence and connection of the other technologies could be really disrupt disruptive and really revolutionary. So from that point, um, just a little bit about basic stuff of artificial intelligence. In my understanding, there could be, firstly, Someone, some already talked about the general artificial intelligence and narrow artificial intelligence. And based on that, there are different types of programming like supervised learning and unsupervised learning and hybrid learning. So supervised learning, briefly, is about that we human being actually set the program to make the AIs or machine learn by themselves. But unsupervised learning is that we do not we do not set any specific programming. They just learn by themselves. They just figure out the function by themselves based on the learning as a learning source. I mean, based on the informa information as a learning source. Mm -hmm. And hybrid learning is a combinated version of it. So based on that, uh, we need to figure out what's the factor of the development of artificial intelligence. So based on my research, it's uh, computing power, like the development of quantum computing. And the next one is the amount of the information as a learning source. And the next one is the level of uh, the programming. So 
which is like the three types of learning that I just talked about. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the amount of the machine, I, I mean, amount of the information, the Internet of Things is really important because we are using the wearable devices. It means that if you are wearing the wearable devices, you are generating your bio information now. And it's sharing with the other um, devices and it's like um, exponentially generating a whole lot of shared information. So in terms of artificial intelligence and the factors of development of artificial intelligence, Internet of Things is really critical. Mm -hmm. So from that point, next to the, the other stage, the, like the, the perspective decision making utilizing artificial intelligence, we can basically, based on the, the notion or concept of bonded rationality of the Harvard assignment, because human beings has, I mean, especially public organizations or in, in many cases of individuals, rational decision making could, could be the best. But humans have limited intellectual capability. So if you want to deal with um, um, problem, 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 I'm sorry, problematic situation or to make some kind of alternatives, we need to figure out, we need to secure full information about problems, situations, or sources that we can use, or possible alternatives, or even like forecast ex expectations or like a side, side effects or something. So if we, we consider all of the information at the same time, we could make the, we can make the perfect rational decisions. But that's basically not possible to humans because of limited intellectual capabilities. But artificial intelligence has more incomparable hyper, super, computational capabilities. So it actually can help us to actualize more per perfect rational decision making. So in that perspective, artificial intelligence basically can be really helpful for us to make a, that rational decision making, which is really critical for especially public organizations, which has huge policy impact on our lives. Uh, yes, that's basically the artificial intelligence uh, and move to the other technology in the category of the overall revolution, industrial revolution, mm -hmm. I think particularly blockchain could be really important because based on my research, artificial intelligence is characterized by centralization, but blockchain is categorized by, characterized by decentralization. So in terms of, I mean, when you're considering some disruptive and risky implications or forecasts of the future of artificial intelligence because of authoritative characteristics, because of its, its super intellectual capability in controlling the other information or task processors in terms of society or organization, it could be really authoritative and centralized. But I think basically, even though ethics or the other values that could be really important for controlling artificial intelligence, but I think basically, technology could be controlled by technology or broader societal or organizational mechanism perspective or institu institution perspective. So in my understanding that blockchain could be really critical to deal with artificial intelligence to control po potential side effects or make more positive or more kind of disruptive but in good way outcomes for our lives including the decision making in our individual life or in organizational perspective. And additional to that, probably robots. That kind of diverse technologies could be 
really disruptive, disruptive and helpful in all competitive ways. Yeah, so this, uh, uh, I like that you highlight kind of a several factors that are leading to technology being used more within society and within government. So often we talk about these things in silos, right? Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the Internet of Things and how devices might have Internet hooked up to them, and that's interesting. And we talked about artificial intelligence and how that can <coughs> use statistical learning to do things we didn't think it could do in the past, and that's kind of exciting. And then we have blockchains, and then we have one group was talking about gene editing, mm -hmm. and one thing we haven't talked about is nanotechnology and the way that we might eventually get sensors on things more small than we can even observe, right? And when you think about the confluence of all of these things in totality as they're all experiencing their own versions of Moore's Law, they're all kind of exponentially becoming more stronger, that at some point these, uh, these technologies as they merge together in their capacities to complement one another have some real serious impacts on the world and on government and on society. You highlight in your uh, report two examples that uh, that might uh, be impacted by these advances in technology. So let's start with maybe disaster management. Yeah. Um, along with the general conception, um, we still propose a, a narrowed-on uh, example, that is disaster management. Yeah, um, disaster management is uh, very important for government, especially in uh, climate changes, such as maybe we will encounter the uh, heavy floods, typhoons, hurricanes, earthquakes, or volcanoes. Yeah, so here um, we propose a table uh, to discuss the role of human and role of technologies in uh, disaster management uh, in page 12. Yeah. Um, okay, so before discussing that table, we have to discuss the uh, weakness of human and artificial intelligence in disaster management. Um, for human, um, because the disaster management is uh, so far-reaching and people have to make decisions in a short time, At, uh, in this process, maybe people will uh, much more um, rational and use more system one to make decisions, but we know in this uh, the large, uh, big damage, we cannot use system one to make decisions. So. Uh, maybe human needs uh, artificial intelligence to help them. But uh, for artificial intelligence, um, uh, we, we studied your paper, yeah, discuss the uh, Ooh, high, uh, twice yeah, yeah twice, good. Yeah, uh, in high complexity and high uncertainties field, uh, humans still do, uh, domains this field. Yeah, um, artificial can, uh, intelligence cannot do so much creative or other tasks. So here, so we argue that maybe human and technology has to uh, have to collaborate with each other to enhance the effectiveness in disaster management. Um, so, uh, in disaster management, we have four tests. The first one is emergency status. The government has to announce the status to let people know uh, what happened. Yeah. And the second one is government has to uh, estimate the affected population and know how to allocate resources to help them. And the third one is inform uh, information delivery. That is how to make people know. Yeah. And the fourth one is uh, information receiving. The government uh, will receive many informations, but they have to decide which information is important. Yeah. So in the, uh, in the emergency status, uh, the technology can uh, provide lots of information to government. And government can then, okay, no, okay, I, uh, I have to decide what is the emergency status. Yeah. And the second one uh, is affected population. Uh, government is uh, people uh, is uh, are hard to understand a whole, uh, whole graph 
without technology. So technology can help people, uh, help government to estimating the uh, affected population through GIS, GPS, or other internet to do that. And uh, and when people know the situation, they can allocate resources such as maybe uh, rescue them or know uh, where need help uh, and help needies. Yeah. And the third one is information delivery. Government can understand or can decide uh, what contents need to uh, that people know, but they can use more technology such as message or internet or media to let people know uh, what happened right now. Yeah. And the fourth one is information receiving. Uh, we know the technology or artificial intelligence have high speed operations. They can collect uh, much information quickly, and government can receive this information and know and apprise apprise this information to decide which can be used or which cannot be used. Yeah. So, uh, in order to discuss that table, uh, we still use the case in Taiwan. In Taiwan, the uh, most uh, frequency disaster is earthquake and typhoon. Yeah. Um, for earthquake, um, Taiwan uh, is accumulated from uh, 1991 to, to uh, 2019. We have above 900, 900 times earthquake. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow, yeah. And the government uh, in 1999, the Taiwan happened a very uh, massive earthquake, which killed over um, 2,000 people. Yeah, so government uh, think how to prevent it or how to deal with that. Okay. Uh, for the uh, for the uh, for the other hand, um, for the typhoon, uh, typh Taiwan always have lots of typhoon will invade Taiwan every year. So government think how to deal with that. So uh, the government build the uh, build the agency called National Science and Technology Center for Disaster Reduction. It created a, a platform for government inter uh, internal. Uh, Communication. Uh, it uh, it connects ten ministries and thirty-two agencies to combine the informations and provide the good information for uh, political leaders to make decisions. Um, they use the GIS, the GPS, remote sensing, and uh, photographic to prov uh, to provide the uh, reliable informations. Yeah, and then um, so come back to uh, our table. Uh, this technology still provide enough information for uh, political leaders, and they can use this information to make decisions, make more uh, high quality qualitative uh, information. So uh, we argue that the collaboration between human and technologies can um, enhance the effectiveness in disaster management. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, it's. Um it's a nice case in Taiwan, and I'm hoping while I visit, we have very few earthquakes yeah, yeah, yeah. and typhoons. All right, gerrymandering. Right, so this example is a bit different than the one you just heard. Uh, with disaster management, there's a need for sort of an all-hazards approach, as it should be. But with this case of gerrymandering, there really can't be a one-size-fits-all solution. And that kind of ties into what I think just about every other group has, has talked about is that you have to create some sort of limitations for uh, AI before you let it loose. And so the, the problem that, that is, is being faced with, with gerrymandering um, is about as old as the United States, if not older. Um, but in each, in each state, in each district, there are different rules about how these lines are drawn. And depending on what those rules are, you need a different um, metric if, if you wanted to have an AI draw those lines for you. Uh, that's assuming, though, that you do want to keep a lot of those 
those parameters. You could just hit shuffle and let a computer completely and randomly and evenly create these districts. But as Americans, we're, we're way too in, we're way too deep into our political culture to allow that to happen. So we, we actually do have a perfect solution. We just don't want it. So we have to, we have to work with these, these programs to create something that's somewhere in the middle. And so this is relevant right now because the Supreme Court has asked for uh, a group of mathematicians, uh, the metric, geometry, and gerrymandering group, to testify before them, uh, I know for sure twice in the past two years. And what they're proposing is using the, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, Markov chain Monte Carlo method. And what that does is it, it, it generates effectively an infinite number of possibilities, not for all districts, but between two. So you have two districts and you, you remove the barriers between them and it creates an infinite uh, set, of option, a set of options to redraw that line. And it does have to work along uh, some sort of building blocks. I believe the one that they were using for this, uh, for this brief was precincts. So it realigns the, 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 the districts based on precincts. And then they, they pull, or they pull a, a thousand of those infinite possibilities and they get a, a natural bell curve. And the idea is that if you want to detect harmful partisan gerrymandering, if it's on the tail ends of that bell curve, then you need to throw it out and start over. Uh, one of the questions, and I think it's part of what makes this example really interesting, is that then you have to decide where to draw the line. And on one side of the argument, uh, if, if you draw a line at something like two standard deviations, which is pretty, pretty typical, then you could find that political parties will just push as close as they can to that, that boundary. Uh, the sort of alternative solution is to uh, mandate a goal, something like uh, one person, one vote, and in the hopes that states will try to aim towards the middle out of fear of being sued. And so uh, this is just a really interesting case, I think, because it shows what type of debates are likely to come up when AI inevitably needs to be uh, regulated. Uh, I, I also just think it's really interesting that there is, there is a way that the, all, this, all this could be solved, but because, because we're so embroiled, I suppose, in our own political culture, we're, we're, we're choosing not to accept it. Yeah, I did a, um, an independent study with a group of students in the spring, and they picked this topic of gerrymandering. Uh, which I think is an interesting one. And they came to the essentially the same kind of conclusion that you did, which is one, the gerrymandering is a fascinating case for applying technology because it's not even clear what the standards are, right? Should we keep communities together? Should we keep right. people of similar political ideology together? Should we keep them apart? Should, how do we, do we want to maximize representation, maximize competitiveness? So these different like criteria for what we're even trying to maximize is a problem. But then they did mention that the, the sort of statistical Monte Carlo simulations was one approach that these mathematicians have came up with and statisticians, and I forget which state it was, but I'm gonna say it was North Carolina because North Carolina is doing everything terrible these days, right? Safe. And they ran, the, they did this continuum that you mentioned of generating uh, thousands and thousands of thousands of potential ways of drawing it, and then in the tails would be the partisan ones. And this particular state, who I'm gonna I'm gonna accuse North Carolina without good evidence with me today, <laughs> but that it was at like in the point zero zero one percent of like most partisan, right? Like if you took the whole 
population of potential arrangements for gerrymandering, it was about as partisan as it could be. Oh, yeah. um, which is interesting to know, but then that does leave you know your question of like, okay, well then which of the parameters are we trying to to uh, to work towards? Because if you do pick these limits, it's like when we talked with Kahneman about putting caps on damages, right? People are going to be drawn to those to those caps. Um, as part of trying to game the system, right? So, does these examples leave you? Do these examples leave you with any recommendations for us to take away? Yeah, I think we have a few recommendations. Um, <clears throat> to begin, government should be receptive to these new technologies and these advance these advancements, and uh, they should act as both a user and a regulator, especially things like the Internet of uh, the Internet of Things. So, I basically thought that the type, the name of the title that I dealt with was the new industrial revolution. So basically, my understanding, many scholars, many scholars who are studying artificial intelligence and technology stuff, it's a little bit distinctive, my understanding, but more combinated research could be really productive to understand what's going to be really happen. And also at the same time, understanding of deeper side of technology or at the same time macro level of industry, in, institutional mechanism control the technology to deal with possible positive or negative implications in societal perspective could be really critical. So governments probably need to be considered those perspectives to prepare the future affairs. Yeah. So the government should um, adapt the advantages of human and artificial intelligence by collaboration uh, with two actors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you so much for your work team. Thank you.